Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Laughter. I'm Yarina Sancion, and this is Bilingual in America. Hi, I'm Yarina Sancion. Newcomer centers have been known as places that acknowledge diversity as a resource and recognize the individual customs and traditions that each youngster brings to their new community. It is an integral first step for children arriving from countries around the world with little or no English language proficiency. Newcomer Center programs help students become familiar with schooling work in the United States, accelerate English language skills by promoting language development through content area, and support the social needs of recently arrived students and families. They empower youngsters. They bring hope into their lives. Dr. Margaret Dwyer started teaching in one of the first bilingual education programs in upstate New York and ended her career as assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction in the White Plains New York School District. In the more than three decades between those two events, she worked every day to make schools better for new speakers of English and their families. Let's listen in as she talks with segment producer Suzanne Lasser. I want to welcome you to Bilingual in America and thank you for coming on to talk about something that is both near and dear to both of our hearts, the Newcomer Center. I'm so happy to be here, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me. When you and I first met back in 2000, we had both recently been hired by the school district to work at the Newcomer Center. For me, I was still relatively new in the field of education. It was just my fourth year as an educator. What was exciting to you about this idea of a Newcomer Center, which at that time was rather cutting edge, especially at the elementary level? I think that I had spent so much of my life feeling as though in many bilingual programs and English as a new language programs, we're sort of um, nibbling away at the margins rather than being at the heart of a school district, that the chance to help to create a new model entirely from the ground up centered around English language learners and their families, rather than having English language learners and their families be sort of an add-on or an afterthought was thrilling. I mean, it was like nothing I had ever imagined could happen. And it was just an opportunity that I couldn't miss. I couldn't say no to something like that. Neither could you. <laughs> no, it, I definitely could not. And I'm so glad that I didn't because of all of the opportunities that it has afforded me. But I think uh, more importantly, coming in contact with professionals such as yourself and learning so much from you, even up until now. I think that that learning has been a two-way street every <laughs> inch of the way. Thank and that's the beauty of a, of a community that's centered around 
truly centered around teaching and learning, where we we recognize that we are trained and we're well-intentioned, but we're not perfect. And that that to create the kind of learning environment that kids really need, we have to be really committed to ongoing improvement, to evaluating our work every inch of the way and seeing if we're really making a, the kind of difference, measurable difference that we need, to, we need to be able to make with kids and families. And that was the culture that we had there. And it was, it was thrilling. I mean, I learned more than I ever had before in my life in that little school. It was great. You definitely had us live the motto, you know, good but growing. Mm -hmm. We embodied that. And even as I think back to when you transitioned into another role in the district, we still kept that mindset of good but growing. Mm -hmm. But I wonder in the earlier part of the development of the program, what determined success? What indicated success for you as you were bringing this program to life into a district that had never had a real opportunity for elves and their families before in this way? Well, we created a lot of metrics. You know, we, we began by screening each entrant and getting a full picture of what their, uh, where they stood in their native language and in English, uh, in math, in, in various areas of instruction so that we would be able to meet that learner where he or she was. And then we had standards and goals that we wanted our learners to meet, benchmarks that we wanted them to meet. And we had the kind of flexibility where if a child wasn't necessarily meeting the benchmarks, we could really move things around and make things different and make uh, add more attention or more effort to help a child really reach their full potential. So I think that being explicit about where kids are when they, when they come to us and where we want them to be when we leave them and then having flexibility to be able to support kids along the way is really a, a rewarding and fruitful model. And I think that the same kind of thing applied with our work with parents. We had parent programs as well and you know, we tried to move from having folks feel maybe a little reluctant to participate in school, to feeling comfortable and um, entitled to be in school with us and to play a role with us in making decisions about their children. But we didn't have as concrete uh, kinds of benchmarks for that. We mostly measured participation by parents in, in their children's education. And I think that that was an area that I wish we had done more on because really it's a whole family endeavor to, um, to have a child succeed in school and in life. Absolutely. And when we talk with others, we hear the importance of full involvement, hands-on approach, not just for the child, but for the benefit of the family for the long-term. If you could do it differently next time, is there anything that you felt was really missing from the model that we created for our students in the first through sixth grade, maybe even because it was housed in a middle school? Is there anything that you felt we didn't include that would have made it a more robust program? I do think that the location in the middle school wasn't ideal because the kids weren't integrated 
with English speaking peers in other times of the day, like recess or lunch or special, you know, art, music, PE. They were with their own cohort all day long. And uh, I think that if there had been an elementary school that had had room for our program, it would have been better for them to, to, for us to have been housed in a school like that, where they could have been integrated with uh, English speaking peers right from the very beginning. I also think that that might have helped the transition process when they, when kids left our program, the transition process, we, we worked really hard to make it a very robust process with a lot of information about the child, but it really depended on the receiving school, what use was made of the information that we sent with each child. And some schools were much more thorough about taking note of every every area that we had measured in the child's strengths and where they could build on with the child going forward. And some schools paid less attention to that. And if we had been more integrated, I think that it might've been harder to pay less attention to those important kinds of things about kids. Well, next lifetime, Margaret Dwyer. <laughs> hire me and I'll be glad to take it on and we'll put it into an elementary school. So <laughs> if there is an actual difference. Yeah. <laughs> I think that what would be so much better for the world of education goes back to what you said to, on a previous question about the ability to be flexible in terms of setting and needs. Because when you had a student who came in with limited native language experience and being able to put them into a different math group with a, a lower grade level or the opposite where students were really intact academically in their native language and needed the challenge of something beyond what a newcomer program might offer, we were able to do that. And I think about our children who are special needs and how designing a program should look similar, an ideal program, I should say, should look similar to, to the work that you really helped to establish for our L's over 20 years ago, which is un unbelievable when I think about the amount of time that has passed. It seems like only yesterday. I still see their faces before me, although now I'm sure their faces look really different. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we see former students' children who are in my school, and that is always something that still fills my heart with joy. I think evidence of the success of the program is really the proof that the children who were students stayed there and are now raising their children in a community, in a school district that welcomed them as newcomers to this country. Yeah, I think it was one of the most important things we did was really communicate in everything we did that we were so glad they were with us and that they mattered and that they could succeed and that we love them, basically. I think we showed them that on a daily basis and it was a beautiful time. Indeed. Margaret, I wanna thank you for helping so many students and their families to feel the support and love and opportunity for the sacrifices they made in order to get here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I encourage you to continue to speak your beauty, whether it's supporting Els or any other social activism work that you feel called to take on. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's always so nice to talk to you.
Jennifer Abreu migrated from the Dominican Republic at the age of eight to the United States. As a newcomer student, she recalls those days as being the most beautiful experiences as a young student. Currently working as a teaching assistant in a dual language program, Jennifer is attending Manhattanville College and actively working to get her teaching degree. Let's listen in as she shares her insights with me, Irina Sencian. Today we have Jennifer Abreu, who is a former newcomer student and who happens to also be teaching, or maybe not happens to be, maybe it's just exactly where she needs to be, teaching in a dual language program. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. I am glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, of course. So Jennifer, you know, as a former student of a newcomer program that receives a recently arrived students, tell me some of the experiences that you had there. Well, the Newcomer Center is a program that I hold truly dear to my heart as it jump-started my English speaking skills. Um, it was such a wonderful experience because we were all making mistakes at the same time. So it was just this environment of we're all learning, we're all in this together. I never had a child laugh at me because I said the wrong thing or feel like my teachers weren't there to support me. On the contrary, it felt like I had this team just cheering me on, like, you could do this, you could learn English. So it made the language acquisition much easier and transitioning to this country such a e much easier experience because I didn't feel alone as I was doing it. So forever i am grateful for my newcomer center experience every anytime i see uh, my second grade teacher i'm always so happy to see her because it was just an experience that is golden because the environment the curriculum everything there just felt like it was set up to set you up to succeed so i am truly grateful for the newcomer center what I hear you saying is that you really felt like you had a safe place to be you, to make mistakes, to, um, and that you had like this little community on the same journey. Even if it was slightly different or very different, you were all with the same exact journey and goal of we're going to learn English and we're going to learn about this country. Yes, definitely not everyone was from the same background as me there were so many kids there were kids from haiti there were kids from mexico kids from guatemala and our experiences coming to this we definitely had difference among each other our experiences coming to um this country our cultural foods our cultural customs and traditions they were very different however because we were all in that same environment and had that like goal we were learning about each other's differences while realizing we're really connected in a very similar way that's definitely my favorite part of the newcomer center well I, I think it just speaks to you know so often we say we're different from each other but in so many ways we're really so similar to each other right yes. and i think that you're just expressing that so beautifully 
So now, fast forward to present day, as you know, as a teacher who's working in a dual language program, which is slightly different because you do have newcomers coming into that dual language program. You know, what would you say are some of those benefits and maybe some challenges compared to your experience? Well, there's still that beauty in dual language of students wanting to learn. You see students whose English is their first language and they're now trying with the Spanish or you see students that Spanish is spoken at home and are trying to learn English. So there is that beauty of learning languages. However, as many benefits there are, we still see a lot of challenges as in a dual language classroom, there is so much. We have students who are newcomers. We're students that are both high in English and in Spanish. We have students that are very low in one language and very high in another one. So definitely a challenge that I've seen and try to work with is we have students at so many different levels within those two languages and it's how do you merge that to try to teach them what they need to what they need for the next upcoming grade level so perhaps while there's so much richness in a dual language program and classroom i'm hearing you say that one of the challenges is that the needs and the levels are so diverse that you really need to be very um, skilled and something might suffer in that model just because there's so many of them and their levels are so diverse. Do you find that the same kind of community feeling can be built in a dual language classroom, that community sense that you felt in your newcomer classroom? There's definitely a sense of community there and especially considering that you're with this group of students for the the same cohort followed each other K through five and then later on. However, I don't think it could replicate the newcomer center and it goes back to there's so many different levels and there's so many needs um, that some things get lost and that community feel can't be replicated And I'm a big proponent of bring the newcomer center back because I thought it was the most wonderful thing ever. And I feel like a lot of students today would benefit from that structure and then dual language or then going into the classroom where. No, I get it. I I hear you loud and clear. In Bilingual in America, we have a hashtag, which is speak your beauty. So many of our guests have have shared all the various ways that one can speak beauty. And I'm sure that you have many, but maybe you could just share a couple of ways that you speak your beauty. Uh, For me, speaking my beauty is literally the fact that I am bilingual. It has to be the greatest trait, the greatest everything. And it encompasses so much of my life because I am able 
to talk to so many people from different cultures and understand things that weren't taught to me or were taught to me differently and understand different perspectives while still holding on to my native tongue and still being able to talk to my aunts, my grandparents and having those roots and having them share their perspective of where we come from. And that to me, is wonderful because the more languages I acquire, the pieces of other cultures that I start to get in, get influenced by. So it's just speaking your beauty is being literally an influence of so many different cultures and so many wonderful different perspectives and positivity that's out there in this beautiful world. Well, Jennifer, I know that you speak your beauty in multiple ways as you interact with families and students and staff and just really sharing the bright star that you are. And I'm sure that your your teachers from that time period in your life see you and are extremely proud of the work that you're doing and the person that, that you've become and how you make your community a more beautiful place to speak into and be into. So thank you for all that you do. And adelante. Thank you. It's wonderful speaking with you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Communities that support newcomer programs understand the importance of supporting English language learners upon their arrival so they can reach their potential as learners and contributors to community. The program has supported vital features such as extended day, Saturday classes, as well as parent training to strengthen the homeschool connection. Moreover, we see that when we invest early on, students from newcomer centers have a strong desire to give back to their communities in ways that grow others and contribute to the community. The ripple effect is impressive. In order for newcomer centers to succeed, stakeholders need to have a clear vision of the program mission, design, and needed resources so it may take root and thrive. Let's continue to find different ways to speak our beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm Bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us, like us, share us.